Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hey guys, it's Jessica and welcome to Keto Lifestyle episode number 50. I cannot believe that I am recording the 50th episode of this podcast. That is a big deal. At least it's a big deal to me. Like <laughs> this is it, right? Like I've I've arrived. I have now recorded 50 episodes. So this is a, it's a big deal. So today on this very special 50th episode, I do have an amazing guest interview for to share with you guys today that I'm super excited to have on. Um, I met her on the low carb cruise last month and uh, or yeah, last month, I guess. Um, and she is awesome. Um, I love her. She's a wealth of knowledge. I have listened to her many times on other podcasts. I follow her on social media and um, have read her book, uh, or at least one of her books that she has. Um, and she is just amazing. Um, I love her. She's got just great information. So I hope that you guys will be able to get a lot out of this episode. And um, I so appreciate those of you who tune in every week and are um, enjoying the information. And I really do want you to enjoy it. And, you know, if I thought nobody was enjoying it, that would be a bummer. You know, I love to hear that you guys are enjoying it. I love that you guys are getting good information out of it. And hopefully I can continue that and continue giving you guys the, the good information that you want. Um, if you have other guests that you'd like to hear on the podcast, I'd love for you to send me uh, some uh, guest names of things you'd like to hear or some topics you'd like to hear. Um, I do have quite a backlog of um, of listener questions and things. I I know the one thing I, I do really try really, really, really hard to do is to reply personally to every message at least at some point. It is very difficult, and I understand you may have been waiting a very long time to get a response, and uh, I'm really trying to get through those. So I just want you to know that even if you haven't gotten a response, I do super appreciate your messages, and um, I do my best to try and get those answered, um, and at least respond to you and let you know that I've received them. So I am working on that. I'm working on getting a better system in place. Um, right now, I am working on revamping my website um, I need to really focus on that. It's definitely been not a focus of mine at all over the last year, and I really need to get uh, really need to get focused on that. I also want you guys to know that I am building some courses, some nutritional courses right now. I'm the first one I'm going to do is a Keto 101 course, and I am going to um, offer that as soon as I can, and that is going to be a free course I want to be able to offer to you guys. So um, I'm going to put that out there, and then I have going to build some other nutritional courses um, that hopefully will help you guys work through issues that you may be having, whether that's blood sugar or digestion or um, hormone health or cardiovascular health, uh, detoxification, all kinds of stuff. I have all kinds of big plans. Um, it just takes a while to build a quality course. So I'm working on those now. Um, building the curriculum and trying to get all that put together. And um so as soon as I get that done, I will definitely make an announcement on this podcast and let you guys know. 
Um, so this week's episode I have for you is an amazing guest. Her name is Vivica Meningetz, and um, she is amazing. She's awesome. She's a certified nutritionist. Um, she uh, talks about herself as a uh, holistic practitioner. I would say um, that is probably true of most of us in this space. And she is a an ex- amazing example of a holistic practitioner, um, a certified nutritionist. She really understands her stuff, guys. She knows nutrition in the body. We do touch on keto because she is uh, kind of, she is keto. She came from a paleo lifestyle. Um, and her book that well, she's got two books, but she's got one that's um, called the Every. It's the Everything series, so it's called the Big Big Book of Fat Bombs. So that's uh, I have not read that one, but I'm really excited actually to get that one. I think I'm going to order it because I want to read through all her fat bombs. Um, but the book that I have read and I think is awesome is called the Keto Paleo Kitchen, and she has amazing recipes inside that book. And so she is her website is called the nourished caveman.com and you can get more information about Vivica and all of the things she offers on there like I said she is a nutritionist she does work with clients she has programs like um, she has meal plans and all kinds of awesome stuff and she's really just a great source of information in this podcast episode we talk mostly about endocrine health so hormones thyroid function, adrenals. We touch on a little bit of all that type of stuff. We kind of jump around a bit. Um, I think I would like to have her back on and talk about detoxification because during this podcast, I found out that that is one of her passions as well. It is definitely one of my passions. And um, so I think she'd be a great resource to share with you guys on some detoxification health and, and information on that kind of thing. So I think I'd definitely like to have her back on. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and I will link to her website, her books, and all of her social media uh, outlets. I will link to all of those in the show notes so you guys can get more information on that. And I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode. We're just going to learn about Vivica and kind of get some, you know, some ideas. Hopefully it'll inspire you to go um, get some more information on Vivica and maybe start following her on social media. She's got some uh, really great, she does good, great posts on Instagram about some of the things that she eats. And she is currently doing uh, the carnivore diet and kind of experiencing that. And we talk a little bit about that and why she's diving into that right now. So I hope you guys enjoy. Enjoy this episode. Okay, so before I introduce Vivica, I'd like to give you guys a little bit of background on who she is. So Vivica is a certified whole food nutritionist, a blogger, published author, and one of the leading voices advocating for a food-based approach to healing. Vivica was the first one to use the now popular expression keto paleo to describe her lifestyle and way of eating. She is the founder of the Healing Foods Method, a 14-week online nutrition program where she works one-on-one with clients to turn their health around, utilizing a therapeutic ketogenic diet for healing. Tracing back to her Italian origins, Vivica is a passionate cook whose love of healing food has been shared with millions through her blog, The Nourished Caveman. While living in Northern California, Pursuing her self-sufficiency dreams and practice of nutrition, Vivica's life came to a turning point when she discovered she was pre-diabetic. The nourishing paleo foods that she had been advocating 
we evidently were evidently not the whole solution to modern health problems. Fueled by this discovery, Vivica dove into research and found the ketogenic diet. It was love at first bite. Within the first couple of months, her blood glucose levels dropped. She she shed excess weight. Her brain fog, fog cleared up, and her energy levels skyrocketed. After a year of successful keto paleo lifestyle, Vivica's own health journey took another turn as she was now diagnosed with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. Again, she had to rely on her studies and practical applications to resolve those challenges, and that is how she became the first holistic nutritionist to successfully utilize a ketogenic approach as the foundation to endocrine rebalancing. Vivica's therapeutic approach to food, lifestyle, and supplementation utilizes the healing power of foods and mindset to address the incapacitating symptoms of many lifestyle diseases that have plagued our modern lives. She has made it her mission to help others reclaim reclaim their health and quality of life. Vivica is author of three cookbooks, The Ultimate Paleo Cookbook in 2015, together with nine other bloggers, and The Big Book of Fat Bombs in 2016, and her latest book, The Keto Paleo Kitchen, was released in December 2017. All right, Vivica, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Jessica, for having me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I am super excited to share you with my listeners. So I have been following you for a while and listened to you on other podcasts and you're a wealth of knowledge. You are um, just you have you just know so much specifically. I love how you talk about hormones, thyroid health, adrenal health, uh, metabolic health, like you, you just really are amazing. But what I loved was getting to meet you for the first time in person uh, on the low carb cruise. Yeah, I know. It was fun. It was great to hang out. And, uh, you know, I, I had more fun than I thought. It was just a great group of people yeah. and the talks were amazing. I love watching you talk and <laughs> I got to say, I was like every day so impressed by your dresses and (laughs) every time I saw you, I was like, how can she be this put together all the time? Oh my goodness. Oh, that's so sweet. You're like a superhero. Oh my goodness. That's so sweet. Thank you. Well, your talk was one of my very favorites and I took lots of notes and just, and I, I even wrote down in my notes, I'm literally looking at them right now. And when I... When you were doing your talk, I wrote down podcast interview, question mark. (laughs) I was like, please, I really want her on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you. So um, can you tell, I I have a feeling that probably a lot of my listeners know who you are and have heard you on other podcasts, but can you just tell everybody who maybe doesn't know who you are or just kind of give them an idea of um, what you do and and, uh, maybe kind of how your... um, Kind of how your journey has led you to the ketogenic lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, I am a nutritionist. I'm a certified nutritionist, and I consider myself a holistic practitioner because I try to approach every single one of my patients and as a human, like under all kinds of different aspects. So 
I am really, I'm kind of sad sometimes that I didn't study, like, you know, to be a doctor or a nurse or something, you know, more in the, closer to the field of health. Like, I don't have my college degree in that. Mm-hmm. I studied photography, so I'm related. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm happy that I am not bound by a title that really restricts my ability to do what it takes for patients outside of the constrictions and restrictions of a license or a title like a doctor because, you know, unfortunately, they have a lot of limitations and the limitations also come from the education they get. So I'm really happy that I was able to pursue my own kind of free education based on the principles of nutrition that come from what we call the founding fathers of nutrition, um, especially a group of doctors that was working in the United States from like the 30s to the 50s. And, you know, you probably have heard of super famous Dr. Weston A. Price. Mm-hmm. I think probably everybody knows him. Yeah. And then there was Dr. Melvin Page who did um, studies on endocrines that are still like so ahead of his times. And then the famous doctor, not so famous actually, Dr. Harrower, and he was the one that created the famous Harrower's chart and Mm -hmm. is the relationship to all the endocrine um, organs and glands. That's what I was trying to show you guys at the presentation in the cruise. (laughs) Uh, my slideshow had took a, a dive. <laughs> you know what, though? You handled that so amazingly. I mean, I would have just melted into a puddle on the floor, and you did so, like, you, it was almost more enjoyable that it did that because <laughs> you were just so good about it. You were just, it was amazing. It's like, you, you know, you're going to sometimes fake it to make it, right? <laughs> right. So for those of you listening and have no idea what we're talking about, she, I've never seen a PowerPoint presentation do this, but when Vivica was up there talking, somehow something was going on on the, we all had to like use this computer um, to do our presentations on. And this computer just like was running through her slides like on its own, like we couldn't get it to stop. There were all these different people trying to work on it. And IT people could not figure out why it would not stop doing that. So mm-hmm. anyway, she had to like, just kind of go off memory and like, <laughs> try to go through. It was amazing. You, I mean, you talk about being a superhero. That was, that was <laughs> Superwoman right there. <laughs> was called super winging it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> But yeah, so I was really excited actually to have the slide in there and show all these doctors because, you know, I am presenting to a room full of doctors and I was really nervous about it. That's why I worked on this PowerPoint like all week and I had just got it back and then I got it back from the designer because like not that good at PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. And so I reshuffled the slides that morning. And so I think that's what happened Mm -hmm. that it sent it into some, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, bad problematic mode. But so I was really excited to show the Harrower's chart to all the doctors because it shows you all the endocrine relationships between the endocrine glands. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, from traditional endocrinology, what we call, you know, nowadays endocrinologists that what they study it's really lacking. They're really lacking like the ability to see the correlations and to see like how metabolism and thyroid work together and how thyroid and liver work together. So 
you know, I know I'm jumping ahead and away from the question a bit, but just a little small rabbit hole here. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's, you know, when it, you go to a patient or, a, you know, a person goes to an endocrinologist, refer from their doctor, and they're trying to get more specific, they, yes, they have the ability to look at the functioning of the thyroid and, you know, they will look at all the microscopic, you know, biochemical little individual reaction, but they really miss the big picture. And I was really happy because I recently was interviewing Dr. Barry, Ken Barry, who was with us on the cruise and mm -hmm. is a great guy, you know. Um, and, you know, he was giving me his feedback about endocrinologists and telling me that they're terrible. And I was like, <laughs> Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thinks that because I'm a little partial. But, you know, I'm like, I don't think they understand a lot. And he's like, no, I can't confirm it. They don't understand anything. Sounds mm -hmm. <laughs> like, how come I know more than an endocrinologist about this endocrine system? It's kind of scary. No, it but is really we scary. We won't tell anybody. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll keep it our little secret. No, it is really scary. I agree with you. And just some of the things that they that they miss or they just don't even look at. And then I feel like whenever you talk to somebody that's gone to an endocrinologist to try to figure out any kind of hormonal imbalance or something that they have going on, I always, I, it just makes me think the things that they get back and the things that they're told. And it's immediately like, okay, well, we tested this and now you need to take this. And I'm like, well, what about, why isn't anybody looking at trying to uncover where this started or, you know, where is, where's the cascade of, of issues? Where does it begin? Like it, it didn't start where they're telling you, you now need support. It, start, it started somewhere else. Where did it start? How, why, what do you need to do to help support your body? <laughs> Like, it's just really crazy. I feel like they, the very first line of defense oftentimes is these hormone replacement, especially, you know, for older women is it's just like the immediate answer. Here you go. Just your body's yep. not doing it. Take these. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've seen cases. I had a case of a patient that I talked to yesterday. She's been on hormone replacement for 15 years. Oh, wow. And she's well She's into mid-50s. Mm -hmm. So she, you know, because of a young uh, age hysterectomy, and she had a full hysterectomy, so she was put on hormone replacement, which is appropriate. Mm -hmm. When you have a full hysterectomy, that's appropriate. But, you know, you're not supposed to be on it for 15 years. Right. That is not appropriate. And, like, doctors sometimes or many times they're really good and easy in prescribing med medications but they're very like they have a great resistance in removing you from medication so like to like get you off wean you off medication yeah and, you know when it comes to hrt or like even bioidenticals i mean that's a whole other topic but I don't think those are supposed to be long-term, intended for long-term support because they have definitely major effects on the health of your glands. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that includes thyroid and certain medications. Is what you, When you supply a downstream hormone, eventually you compromise the function of the gland. Sure. 
So it's kind of basic knowledge, you know. It's like if you tie your arm behind your back and you're not going to use it for like a year, guess what's going to happen to the muscle? Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a genius really to understand that like when something is designed to function as in a certain way and the function is removed, like it will compromise the original, you know, functionality of that specific organ. Sure. Well, and not even just that specific organ, but but other ones that are affected by that. I mean, like just giving, I know that, you know, having someone take um, exogenous hormones and whether they're bioidentical or not, I mean, that can actually just lead to the squelching of your um, of your HP axis, right? Your HPA axis and that kind of the negative feedback loop with your hypothalamus and pituitary and thyroid and just the way they work together and the way that they, because now they're natural, they're not naturally even trying to do that anymore. It's, it's like, okay, your body, I've, it's got what it needs. Don't know where it's coming from, but we've got it. So don't even worry about it. Yeah. And that's, exactly. it's really scary. Cause then when a woman comes off of those things, if she ever gets to come off of those things, it's like you said, her, those organs, those glands that were supposed to be producing those hormones for her body to function properly instead of being supported and taught not taught maybe isn't the right word but being supported so that they can get back on track the way they're supposed to be they're just kind of completely squelched yes absolutely but i mean the good news is that there is a lot that can be done about it even you know when you have been on hrt for many years it's just you know the longer you do something damaging the longer it takes to fix it so you know it's our perspective and like being able to like restore function and Mm -hmm. support function um it's really interesting like yeah and like unfortunately the limitation of conventional medicine or what we you know call allopathic medicine which is a very (laughs) narrow-minded kind of uh, practice it's that they don't acknowledge that organs can repair themselves. It just seems doesn't seem to be in their cosmology that a gland or an organ can actually reverse disease and can reverse damage and heal. Even spontaneously, they call it like unexplained spontaneous healing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just like, you know, our body is not designed to heal. Our body is absolutely designed to preserve health. So... Mm-hmm. All we got to do is give it the right condition and your body will be healthy. Mm-hmm. Not as easy as it seems sometimes, but entirely possible. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's one of the things that uh, that we can kind of talk about a little bit here, but um, is, yes, our body is that its goal is to keep us healthy, to keep us alive. And I think that's why we see, well, I know that's why we see so many hormone issues um, for women specifically, is we have so many toxins and so much stress and so many things coming at us, maybe poor diet, things like that. And then, you know, our body is, its number one priority is not to keep your hormones regulated, not to keep, you know, it doesn't need to make a baby, it needs to keep you alive. So um, I think that's why we are seeing so many more hormonal issues in today's day and age with just all of the stuff we have coming at us. Exactly. And actually, that brings me to one of my favorite topics, um, which was actually was I was going to talk about at the cruise. 
um, originally, but then I didn't get enough time to prepare, like properly prepare for this lecture that eventually I want to do a webinar and, a, and, you know, a proper talk about it, but it's endocrine disruptors. Mm. The impact of endocrine disruptors on especially women's hormonal health by mm -hmm. everybody. Um, I know there are a lot of people like, you know, there's like little things that really stick out. And one of like, um, what do you call it? Um, gynomastia. Yes. So men growing breasts, mm -hmm. that is a very clear and evident sign of endocrine disruptors. Mm -hmm. And for women, PCOS is a big one and hirsutism and, you know, estrogen dominance, like all these estrogens in the environment are a huge factor in all the hormonal problems that we are facing today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like... I, at the beginning of my practice, I was like, I don't want to work on female hormones. They're so complicated. It's like, ah. No, I can totally understand where you're coming from with that. Because as a nutritional therapy practitioner, recently graduated, I have um, really tried to figure out which direction, you know, what, is there anything that I'm going to specifically focus on and what do I want to do? And honestly, women's hormones is like one of my least... <laughs> The things I'm least interested in diving into, not because I don't enjoy it and I don't find it fascinating, but it is so complicated and there are so many factors affecting us today that it, it just, it's such a huge thing to bite off. Yeah. It's a big giant rabbit hole. Yes. <laughs> and so that's why I have someone like you on today, which, because you have, you know, dove into this and you're so knowledgeable with all of this. Well, there is nothing like having to fix your own problems that will get you there. Because That's right. I guess we're coming back to your first question that I never finished answering. <laughs> but, if, you know, talking about what led me to where I am, the, one of the biggest motivators was definitely having to resolve my own health issues. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think I am now approaching 50, the healthiest I've ever been, for sure. And... Um, doing pretty good that's awesome. you know I feel like I'm getting younger instead of older and yes <laughs> you do feel you know certain things like I can't stay up all night like I used to and, <laughs> and then work all day and party all night like the 20s are definitely over <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like at so many levels like a deeper stronger foundation of health like I've never had before because like even throughout my 20s so I started with gallbladder disease in my mid-20s mm. and dragged that along until like my mid-30s late 30s and only when I started studying nutrition I finally was able to resolve it completely by myself wow. um, with the knowledge that I put together and then like you know once I started studying nutrition so I thought I resolved my gallbladder issues and my toxicity issues, and I was all happy. And then the hormonal issues started, because then by that time, I was early 40s. And, you know, I think that I had an underlying thyroid, you know, latent mm -hmm. kind of hypothyroidism. I know there are a lot of people that never really get diagnosed properly for hypothyroidism because the markers never get tested and the doctor 
you know, they check one or two markers for thyroid labs. And so they don't really look at the whole panel and the interrelations. They don't look at the symptoms properly. They just rely on numbers. So knowing what I know now and looking back on my own life, I know that I definitely had some thyroid out of balance, Mm. you know, probably fluctuating up and down depending on, you know, my adrenals and my ovaries, what they were doing. And the thyroid was just kind of like bouncing up and down. Mm -hmm. I'm the kind of person that I, I have to admit it. I am doctor phobic. Mm -hmm. I do not go to doctors until it's like, life-threatening. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. I, I'm on, I'm with you. And I've been that way for years. Yeah, me too. I probably went to the doctor in the States. I've been here 25 years. I probably went to the doctor four times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, unfortunately, like in the last couple of years, I had a twice a year infection, first two times in my life. And mm-hmm. I was like, what? <laughs> but <laughs> I know where that came from. It came from stress. And mm-hmm. that's kind of another topic, a big topic. But right. anyways, going back to the hormones, um, I had to like face and resolve these hormonal issues. All of a sudden, like I had fibroids and I started like having crazy hemorrhages. Like, you know, everybody out there is going to listen that has fibroids knows what I'm talking about. And Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with the fibroids. I did ultrasound. I refused to go to like, you know, a regular doctor. And by then I was already working for the practice and studying nutrition and working for a chiropractor together as we were like expanding the nutrition practice of her practice, uh, nutrition side. And so I started really digging into that and like wanting to resolve that naturally. And as I was doing that, then I started looking more markers and I found out that my thyroid was hypo and then I had Hashimoto's markers, not super high, but in the hundreds. So they were definitely there. And I just, you know, I had to make a stop, take a, make a stand and be like, okay, I am going to resolve this. And by that time I was already keto because I started doing ketogenic because I found out I had pre-diabetic glucose levels. Mm -hmm. Um, didn't even strike me that my whole maternal side of the family had diabetes. And I was like, oh, yeah, that. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, from paleo, I went to keto paleo and started doing ketogenic and did great with that. But then the hormones came about. And that was like, since I started keto about five years ago, so about four years ago, I really had to start digging into this, like, fine-tuned relationship between blood sugars, metabolism, and the relationship of insulin with thyroid hormones, which is what I talked about um, in my talk on the cruise, is like Mm -hmm. how to balance that. And, you know, I got to say that my answer is always evolving because there are, you know, practical things you can do, but it's also there is... You know, I think a ketogenic diet, and this is an important message that I would really like your listeners to ponder about, is that a ketogenic diet is evolves. Mm -hmm. So it's not like because we have started doing a ketogenic diet that we are going to be stuck on the same place um, 
for the next 10, 20 years. A ketogenic diet should evolve as our health evolves and as we peel off layers of toxicity, layers of disease, layers of, you know, um, like we, we improve the condition of our body and then the needs evolve of our body. So let's say somebody comes to keto with a very high insulin resistance, like I did. Mm-hmm. And that your blood sugars are really high. And of course, you might have even fatty liver from, you know, high sugar consumption or mm-hmm. from alcohol, not necessarily, mostly sugar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, you might have excess weight or not, doesn't matter. But underneath the surface, that is what you're handling. And that is like your number one layer that you need to address. Because if your blood sugar is unstable and you're highly insulin resistant, until you fix that, none of the other things will really work. Mm-hmm. So you can start working. Like a lot of people come to me and they're like, I'm hypothyroid. I want to work on the thyroid right away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, this is not how you do it. And that's why the endocrinologists, they don't understand that you don't work on the thyroid. You work on every other system that the thyroid is connected to yes. that is malfunctioning and is leading the thyroid to malfunction. Yes, I love that you're saying that. That's so true. And that is what I talk to my clients about all the time is you have to start foundational. It's mm-hmm. got to be the foundational systems in your body, the the digestion, the blood sugar regulation. Like you can't, we can't fit all of these things are affected. I mean, those are two of the biggest ones I see. Fatty acid deficiency is another huge one. So we have, to, it's getting people to understand that you have to start with those foundations first. You can't just go in and try to fix the thyroid because you're not fixing the underlying issues. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's great because you're an amputee and you understand, like they give you the right training. Right. (laughs) I love that there are all these amputees now coming out and in the keto world, Mm -hmm. because like the kind of like training you get, it's really much more appropriate to understand the endocrine system and how it works. Yes. Um, So back to like our hormonal layers so we we need to start from the foundation exactly and like you know for me the foundation is always like the basics it's like digestion Mm -hmm. number one and gut so upper and lower digestion Mm -hmm. and then toxicity in the liver which is the liver is like such a crucial piece of connection of all the different endocrine relationships, mm-hmm. especially for thyroid, as it does convert T4 to T3. And so that's where most of the conversion happens. So if you have a congested liver, conversion is not going to work so good. And guess what? When they don't test all your markers, so they are only testing TSH, a doctor will never be able to see if you're converting or not. Mm-hmm. So you might be... So you might be okay, your TSH might be okay within range, lab range, which is not even like the best ranges because functional range is a lot narrower, narrower. But even if, you know, you fall within a good range, what could happen with the other numbers? It's like we'll reveal why you're symptomatic and your doctor doesn't know. So your TSH could be good, but then you are not converting T4 to T3. Your liver is congested, and then you're highly symptomatic, losing clumps of hair and mm-hmm. being 
frozen cold, you know, gaining weight, not being able to lose it, and being constipated all the time, depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, all the symptoms that come with, like, lack of thyroid hormone at the cellular level. Now, just to clarify for anyone listening, so TS- TSH is your thyroid-stimulating hormone, and that is produced actually by your pituitary gland, Correct. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's so. I always think that that's an interesting thing to talk to people about because they'll say, "Well, I had I had my markers tested at my endocrinologist, and I'm fine." And then you say, "Well, what did they test?" And it's all very often it's only TSH yeah, and most, try, most or or free T three. Yes, two things and trying to help people understand why that is really not showing them the the picture, the full picture at all. That's right. And you know what, um, Jess, it's really sad that we need to fight with doctors to get their markers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's a losing battle because the doctor just doesn't know how to read them, mm-hmm. doesn't have time to sit there. You know, sometimes I spend like an hour, an hour and a half on one patient's blood work because I need to cross-reference all the values and like I just sit there and think about it for a long time, mm-hmm. and I think, and I think about all the different aspects and how they all combine together. I look at the whole case history. I look at like you know, I take an hour long of intake, and actually in my screening calls, I usually take an hour to talk to them mm-hmm. to make sure I can help them. Um, but all of this information comes together, and imagine I feel bad for the doctors in a way because they have like ten minutes with the patient. Right. And, uh, you know, what are you really going to find out in 10 minutes? It's not a lot. Right. No, you're not. <laughs> well, and the thyroid specifically is is a very sensitive gland. Um, I mean, there are a lot of things that it can affect that. And so I know you mentioned, like, uh, digestion is huge. And I know we were talking about um, these endocrine-disrupting uh, substances and things that are in our uh, in our environment now that are huge, they're just huge. Um, so things like heavy metals, I know can affect, um, your thyroid health. Um, just even taking drugs like prescription drugs or even things like aspirin, um, and NSAIDs can affect it. So uh, food allergies, just different things like that. There's so many different things that it could be. And if they're not even getting the proper, things tested to even know if they have anything these going on. These things that I just mentioned are all super, super common things. <laughs> they are. I mean, they're we're all common. afflicted with these things. Yeah, they're very common factors. And sometimes I don't even, I'm not a huge fan of testing. Like, uh, you know, there are functional medicine doctors. When you go to a functional medicine doctor, they will send you for a million tests. Yes. <laughs> and so it's lab tests after lab tests and after lab tests and thousands of dollars later, maybe. That's right. You're lucky if your insurance covers some of it, but sometimes it doesn't. So it's hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars later. They'll be like, okay, so you have this. And then... A lot of times what they do, they'll give you a ton of supplements to address every little symptom. Yeah. Um, I really work in a very different way, and that's why I tell people, is that the way that you do things in the true sense of nutrition and supporting the body with nutrition is that nutrition is very simple. It's comfortingly simple, even though the situation is extremely complex sometimes, mm-hmm. but... 
you know, when people, people come with all these different issues, all these different symptoms, and I already know that it's completely useless for me to send them for tests right now because the first thing I need to do is clean them up mm-hmm. and detox them. And, like, clean up that toxic burden. And, like, I, you know, after five years in practice, I've really started to hone down and knowing, you know, where I don't have to send you and spend a lot of money for tests because I already know. And also I already know, knowing the environment and taking your history, I know that there is certain stuff that you picked up from the environment, and that is just there. Like, heavy metals are really prevalent these days, and they come from all the industry, and they come from the vaccines. Yes, mm-hmm. they are in the vaccines, and that's why our kids are so sick these days, because they're injected with heavy metals. Yes. Thank you. Do we need to do that, really? That's another topic. Yeah. Let's <laughs> set up on that one. That's a big one. That's, a, bi- that's a big one, but you're so it right. It kind I, of warms. Yeah, me. I'm on the same page with you. You know, let's leave it there. <laughs> You know, one thing or another, like you got a person that you already know is carrying a a huge toxic load and viruses and like those are another big thing that are mostly undetected, like dormant viruses or like like, um, viruses that hide inside the cells, like all the herpes family. There is like six or seven of them, eight Mm -hmm. of them. So... Things like this, if I don't start really systematically, like, doing the steps of, like, you know, getting you clean and then kicking, jump-starting the digestion again, fixing the gut, cleaning mm-hmm. the liver, or the liver is actually not dirty, but the liver needs to be supported in this process of cleaning the body. Because the, the actual toxins don't hide in the liver, and this is where it's a big misconception. People think the liver is toxic. The liver is not toxic ever. The toxins hide in the fat cells. That's where they are. And that's why some people have a really hard time losing weight mm-hmm. um, because the body is so toxic that it's not able to reduce the, you know, the adipose tissue. It's just a bank, a yeah. bank chock full of toxins that are just put away so you don't drop that on the spot. Yeah. Uh, so we support the liver in the function of detoxification. And, you know, detoxification is also straightforward, but needs a lot of different elements. Yes, this is beautiful that you're bringing this up, because this is another thing where I think people hear detox, and they think that they need to drink, uh, you know, a lemon and cayenne pepper uh, concoction, (laughs) and then they're going to be detoxed. And I, I really, really, really try to educate people on phase one and phase two detoxification and the things that our body needs to be able to support those detoxification pathways. Like our body can do it. It can detox itself, but we have to provide it with the proper nutrition and the proper elements to be able to do that. Exactly. And I'm really happy that you do that. That's great. Because there is so much misunderstanding. Um, Dr. Gastin from Perfect Keto interviewed me actually on detoxing. And that's like one of my favorite topics. You know, (laughs) you ask me like, what do you want to do? Do you want to talk about hormones? No, but I have to. (laughs) But what I really want to talk about is detoxing, which is like, so important. So, so, so important. Yes. I should have you on again and we'll talk about, we'll really get into that because that is one of my very favorite topics on the planet. Like I could talk detox all day long. 
Yes, me too. We should do it. And again, like you were saying the earlier about like the whole, uh, you know, you kind of go through things in your life that brings you to where you are. And for me, detoxification has been key in mm-hmm. my recovery and my health journey. So that I think is why it's such a big one for me. That's fantastic. It's, you know, and for me it was too, because it was through detoxing that I really got my gallbladder clean again and working. So I, I still have it happy, tucked away in my body and not being taken from me. <laughs> That's brilliant. And so I know you said that you kind of, uh, you learned about nutrition and you put two and two together or probably 50 and 50 together and were able to work through what you needed to do to help support your gallbladder. But um, were you, did you see a doctor prior to you uh, figuring that out on your own that had had maybe suggested that you have it removed? Um, actually, I went. I ended up at the emergency room twice because oh. of gallbladder attacks that was really, really painful. And they did an ultrasound. They didn't find, they found inflammation, but not infection at that point, thank goodness. And that was kind of early in my, like, very early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, I no, it got worse, but as I say, then I started seeing a chiropractor that does nutrition. It's still my chiropractor. It's been my chiropractor for almost 25 years in LA. Yeah. Um, Dr. Brian McMullen, I strongly recommend him. He's a chiropractor and he does nutrition. He does muscle testing. He's like one of the most amazing muscle testers. And he started helping me with supplements for my gallbladder. But the thing that Brian doesn't do and didn't do with me was detox me. Hmm. And he also is not an expert in diet. And one of the things that I started realizing back then is that, you know, he had some of the elements and the understanding and he could totally diagnose exactly what's with me, but he couldn't provide all the missing pieces that I needed to completely heal it. So mm-hmm. for 10 years, we worked together, and that's how I kept my gallbladder is because I was on supplements the whole time mm-hmm. that helped me manage it. But the two things that were missing was, like, understanding the diet, and the other thing was cleaning it up, like radical detoxifying of the biliary pathways. Mm-hmm. And I, I was also estrogen dominant, which he never mentioned to me. And I found out later that estrogen thickens the bile. So when you have high estrogen, your bile is always thicker. So it's going to end up depositing inside the gallbladder and not flowing. The bile should be thin like water, not like toothpaste. Mm -hmm. So when you have a toothpaste tube gallbladder, it can get very painful, you know. Not even with stones. I didn't, I never had stones or sludge. And by the way, both my mom and my grandma had their gallbladders removed, both of them. And like, I was like, no, I am breaking all the generational patterns. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, and that brings up another point too, is I think that especially um, in allopathic medicine and in um, kind of our Western um, medicine just the way that that we grow up or the way that we're taught is that everything is genetic. So if your if your family had diabetes in the in previous generations then you're going to have diabetes and if there was cancer you'll have cancer and if you had if they had gallbladders removed you'll have gallbladder removed. And I think that there's uh, I love the emphasis in the holistic 
uh, healthcare world and, you know, this kind of uh, naturopathic where, where we're talking about, yes, you can be more predisposed to things based on your genetics, but like you're proving right now, it doesn't have to be that way. You can change it. You can take steps to support your body, especially when you know the areas that it really needs the support in. Yes, absolutely. And that's what we call epigenetics. That's it's right. like, you know, the switching on and off of genes through diet and lifestyle. That very simple. Mm-hmm. And I really believe, I've seen it work, of course, you know. I believe it can work at some very deep levels. Like when Angelina Jolie had her breasts removed, that for me was like, I don't know, it was the bottom of the pit mm-hmm. of like, being a victim of this very ignorant system. And sometimes I feel like medically we are still in the dark ages right now. Yeah. And endocrinology is in the dark ages because if you think about it, the only real tools that doctors have in their toolbox is surgery and medication. That's right. That's a pretty darn restrictive view. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they have a pretty darn restrictive view of the human being. We are so much more than the reductionist view of science. Yeah. So much more. And all levels is, and that's why I want to be a holistic practitioner because this is another big topic, but, you know, there is a lot of talk these days, especially from women. And I, I love that, that women are starting to talk about emotions and how they affect your health. And mm-hmm. so, you know, because women are, more emotional beings we are also hormonal beings mm-hmm. you know and we have a very different nature than men and our nature is cyclical because we go with the cycles of our psych our menstrual cycle and we're very much more in tune with the cycles of nature the night and day the cycles of the moon and so it's a whole different cosmology for us than for men because their hormonal health is linear you know it's from birth to death mm-hmm. and they don't they are not kind of part of this cycling. Um, so the way that they see it and the scientific way is really missing that point of view and also missing how, like, you know, as much more emotional beings, which we are both ruled by hormones, but also, you know, our emotions are so strong sometimes that they can influence our hormones and not just mentally and energetically, but also really physiologically look at the connection with emotions and adrenals and stress. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a real impact. This is not like woo-woo science. This is real science, like deeper science, actually, and science that has finally caught up to like holistic knowledge and ancient knowledge. Mm-hmm. But we're like, we need to see women as whole, especially women, because our physiology and the workings of our body have been really misunderstood and are still extremely misunderstood by doctors, especially male doctors. And another little secret here, <laughs> we're not going to tell anybody, Jessica. Okay. <laughs> but I still see, even in our community and all the amazing scientists and doctors that present for, you know, within ketogenic and paleo lifestyles and ancestral nutrition, but you really see how the guys are the ones who bring the science, the numbers, you know, mm-hmm. the facts. And women, we tend to be more like 
intuitive, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes like I've had um, really interesting conversations with people I met on the cruise and like I, it had been a while since I was out in the community of my peers, you know, cause I've been like just kind of stuck to my desk and not leaving the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was really refreshing to have a lot of really good conversations about what's going on in the keto world, but just in the health and practitioner world. And I see that the male perspective, how male perceive our hormonal health as women, sometimes for me is like they're lacking mm-hmm. some understanding, even though they are greatly knowledgeable and, you know, they have studied a lot, they have worked in practice and they're great, they're super smart, all of the good stuff. But I always feel like my experience is slightly different. And that's why I work with women mostly, you know, because Mm -hmm. I feel like it kind of takes a woman because you you experience that on your own body. There is barely women that have not experienced a period or PMS or, you know, in my case, I've never been pregnant and given birth, but there, you know, to understand that process, only a woman can go through it. Mm -hmm. So I think that there are deeper layers of understanding here that come into play. And, um, it's really good. It's good because like we, as women really need that support mm-hmm. and we need somebody who understands us. I get so many clients that get called crazy by doctors and you would mm-hmm. think that doesn't happen in 2018, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But it does. It totally does. Or like the eye rolls when you, you know, how many times have I heard the story where a client will go in and tell a doctor, listen, I'm going to try and support my health with a change to my nutrition. And they get the eye roll, like that's not going to make any difference. And I just think, how can that, that's like malpractice. (laughs) Like how can a doctor, an educated person in the health industry, in the health care field, look at someone and tell them that what they put into their body, what they consume, what they eat is not going to affect their well-being. It's disturbing. (laughs) That's right. It's kind of scary. And you wonder, makes you wonder. But I want to like actually um, refer to the book of Dr. Ken Berry. Mm -hmm. He has the book that just came out, I think, um, Lies Your Doctor Told You. Yes. Or Lies My Doctor Told Me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he has some really great explanations and actually really enlightened my perspective of like doctors and everything they have to deal with. So it's like not that doctors are bad. They're just a product of a really bad system. Yes. And if like the system we've created that has kind of taken a life of its own, the whole medical system, it's got to go. <laughs> yes. I, t- I could not agree more. I could not agree more. Yeah, we've had Dr. Barry on here um, and talking about that book, and he it, it is an amazing resource, and I recommend his book to so many people because Me I think it, it really does open up your eyes a little bit to, you know, hey, this is a doctor telling you this is what goes down. This is actually what happens, yeah. and the doctors just don't know, you know, they just don't know. That's right. So, um, okay, well, one, so... When it kind so you, I know that you are kind of um, you're keto, but you are 
you kind of have, like you said, you're evolving in your nutrition and the and your diet and the way that you eat. And so you kind of, I know you have a book called The Keto Paleo Kitchen mm-hmm. and a um, wonderful book, by the way. So I definitely recommend yes. that to people. Um, but your, so you kind of, can you explain that to, to the listeners, like how you do keto, kind of how you look at it and, and why? Mm-hmm. So my version of keto is based on like foods that will heal you and not make you any sicker. So for me, keto is not for weight loss. Weight loss is just kind of like an added benefit to making people healthy. I'm not a weight loss coach. And, you know, people do come to me for weight loss, but I make it very clear that, you know, if you want to work with me, you need to get healthy. And Mm -hmm. then your body will naturally address the weight part. Mm -hmm. So the weight loss sometimes is a longer side journey. But so the way I do ketogenic, I use... um, referring back to Dr. Weston Price and to my paleo background. So like nutrient dense foods that are not processed or at least amount of processing possible. And I'm also like really big on sustainability. That's, you know, I lived on a homestead for seven years. I grew up as a kid that was obsessed with self-sufficiency. Don't mm. ask me why, but <laughs> I always wanted to have a homestead and to raise my own animals, to have my own vegetable garden and, you know, be independent and this kind of a little bit utopian vision. But That's amazing. It really influenced my perspective. And like I did a Facebook Live this morning where I kind of came out of the closet (laughs) (laughs) in my views. And it was really scary in a way. But, you know, like really my whole view on health and sustainability and our role on this planet was kind of a big thing. But um, so this is the way that I advocate to eat. And of course, it's always evolving, but it's also just fine-tuning. But the, the roots, the foundation is strong. It's the same. And it's like we need to eat clean foods. Like I really think there is always a way to choose the best possible clean foods for everybody. And I know that, unfortunately, a lot of places in the United States, it's really hard to get access to clean foods because the system and the industrial foods are so prevalent that you don't have whole foods and you don't Mm -hmm. even have a farmer's market. And by the way, I am not a friend of Whole Foods and I don't shop there because I think that all these like boutique healthy foods, they're ridiculous. And Mm. that's just my opinion. Mm. You know, I would 10 times, 20 times prefer to just go straight to the farmer. Yes, agreed your local farmers market, your local farmers, there's got to be. And yes, there are places where in winter there is no market because it's cold. But guess what? Those are places where you find animal protein and fat. And that's where the people in those areas, like the northern United States, you know, probably in winter, they survive mostly on like buffalo and, and, you know, and animals. Mm -hmm. And so... Like really trying to be in tune with ancestral diets, high nutrients, your local food economy is really big. It's something else that's really big. Um, So like if you live in Florida and you live by the ocean on the Keys and you have tons of seafood and it's always warm, you're going to eat differently than somebody that lives in like 
I don't know, like Miss, where is it? Up there, Missouri or Montana, like good sure. states. Super cold in winter, like North Dakota. Um, and it's plains and the ocean is nowhere close. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to get seafood there, but what kind of animal you're going to get? What are you going to eat in vin- winter that is not imported from Mexico? Maybe you're not going to eat avocados all year long there, mm-hmm. you know, or the avocados you will eat. Yes, they'll come from California. I'm in California. We get avocado pretty much all the time here. And, you know, there are, there is greens all the time here, but there are other places where you don't get it, but we're so like, I don't know. I think that our thinking needs a lot of reworking to yeah. go back to like a true state of health. And of course it's little tiny steps, you know, it doesn't have to be a big giant chunk. It's mm-hmm. little tiny changes and just like cultivating awareness and making a little bit of a better choice every day. So, you know, where do you get meat that is like actually local? I think we all can have access to local meat in the United States. Oh, we for sure can. I totally agree with that. Like we have a local farmer's markets around where I live. There's uh, pretty much every town around me, including my own. And I'm in Ohio. I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. So I'm in the, uh, you know, the bottom of the state. But we we have access to that throughout the spring, summer, and fall. But then in the winter, you know, I belong to a CSA. So I have a, you know, I go to a local farm and purchase mm-hmm. our grass-fed, grass-finished beef and pasture pork and, and um, you know, free-range chickens. I mean, I, I go, I can see the animals. They're right there. <laughs> like, nice. And I think that's so important. And I'd, I, I would venture to say that there's probably not a place in the country that doesn't offer that. I know. Um, you know, I there's agree. farmers everywhere. It just takes a little right. bit of effort, just a little bit more right. effort, but it is so worth it. And affordability, like so many people are like, oh, that's elitist or it's not affordable. But guess what? The more people will be supporting the farmers directly, cutting out middle people, it will make it more and more affordable yes. and for the farmers themselves. And uh, guess what? You can just get yourself an extra freezer and buy yourself like a whole animal. And then you can get grass-fed beef for $4 a pound. Right. It's so, I totally agree with you. And especially with when you are, and that is one of the subjects that gets me fired up. And um, (laughs) I know this actually came up on the cruise and I tend to just keep my mouth shut because I don't want to get into it. But I, you know, but I was listening to all of the, you know, different people's opinions and stances on it. And, and I am totally of the mindset that you really, really need to make it a priority to eat the most nutrient dense, you know, organic, if you can definitely free range, you know, get as far away from these animals that are inundated with grains and hormone disruptors. And like you were just talking about with our environment is so full of hormone disruptors and these, these little boys that have this gynomastia, you know, man breasts at, at 10 years old. And you're just thinking of all the hormones that are in all the food they're eating. And I mean, this stuff is real. It's real and and we can stay away from that. And it, it just takes a little more effort and we just need to make the effort so that we can change the economy. We can change the way this stuff works and we will purchase from the farmers and the farmers will be able to stay in business. These small local farms, they'll be able to continue producing these animals. It'll get less and less expensive as more and more people are buying this way. 
And mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, it, we have to, we have to vote with our dollars, right? I mean, you, you have to make those decisions. You're going to pay now or pay later. I mean, that's just the way I look at it. You either do the best you can now and you, maybe you cut out some, maybe you don't have a, a data plan on your phone <laughs> or unlimited data, you know, maybe you. Or Netflix. Or right. Like, exactly. Or like that's right. $40 of nail every week or every other yes. week. So maybe you prioritize your nutrition right. over one of those <laughs> things. Women, and we want to look pretty, but you know. Well, there is nothing that's going to make you look prettier than drinking a big steaming hot mug of pasture, bone you know, yeah. bone broth, right? Like you can make that yourself and you can get it from these bones of these animals that you are mm-hmm. purchasing this meat from. And yeah. that's going to make you look way prettier than any laser treatment or anything else you go do anyway. <laughs> expensive makeup to to cover up like bad skin that comes from bad food. That's but then right. You say, oh, I can't afford bad food because I got to buy the expensive makeup. Right. Anyways. <laughs> exactly right. It's totally backwards. <laughs> We're like... We, Jess and I, were definitely totally on one page on this topic, and we can probably go on for a long time on this one. Yes, I, I agree. that That's very, uh, yeah, super important stuff. Okay, so I don't, I want to be respectful of your time, and I've, I've kept you um, plenty of time here, but um, <laughs> I, I definitely need to have you back on, because there's a lot of other things we can talk about, and uh, I had a, an email I was going to have you get to, but that's going to it'll take us down a whole nother uh, rabbit hole. So we'll have to attack that next time. <laughs> yeah, I know. You told me about that and yeah. that's a long answer. Yes, and I it would is. I to answer it at some point, but yeah. it was very interesting. Yeah, it's it is. It's time. Yeah, we'll have to do it next time. So um, before I let you go, though, Vivica, let my listeners know, um, I mentioned that you have a book, The Keto Paleo Kitchen, and you have another, don't you have a fat bomb book or something too? Yes, I do. The unknown fat bomb book, but it's uh, called the, the Big Book of Fat bombs and is by the everything series the everything book series oh, okay. and it has 200 fat bomb recipes i don't advertise it so much because it does have dairy this the publisher insisted on keeping dairy in mm-hmm. and you know 200 is a lot of recipes but i managed to sneak in a lot of savory fat bombs without dairy awesome. and even sweet ones that without dairy so there are savory and sweet um, half and half pretty much and then like about 30% they're dairy free so okay. even if you're paleo there is still a good amount of stuff in there that you can find <laughs> okay that's awesome alright so I know you have those two books and then um, tell my listeners where else they can find you because I know that now they're going to be like okay I got to check this lady out who is this so <laughs> where else can they find you well um, mine, my website is The Nourish Caveman Mm-hmm. And then there is the Nourish Caveman page on Facebook. I also have a private discussion group where people can like ask me questions and I do answer personally on Facebook. And recently I've been spending more time on Instagram. It's like I had to embrace Instagram despite. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know. Life. But it's kind of fun. I'm trying to make it fun and silly. And like, you know, I post stories and stuff like that. So if you want to see what I eat, that's Instagram. That's where I post my food, not just the recipes I make for the blog, but I post my food almost every day, at least once a day. So Awesome. 
That's cool. Revealed. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a step ahead of me because you're actually doing stories. And like, I don't even, I've never done oh. an Instagram story. I am so Instagram <laughs> illiterate. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get into it. I'm trying to post things. Cause I know that, you know, there's a, there's a uh, desire for that out there, but Oh man. And it's fun. I enjoy it, but I just, it's like a whole nother learning curve for me. Yep. I, same here. I had to spend like a, almost like a whole Sunday trying to get it right. Oh, I know. If you saw, I mean, I'm, I'm pathetic on there. It's really sad. Like I'll, I'll do things. I'm like, I don't even, how do I do this? Like, how are people doing that? And then I'll have to Google it or go on YouTube and figure out like, how do you do this on Instagram? YouTube. YouTube. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Well, thank you so much for being on here, Vivica. And I know if my um, listeners are interested, I know that right now you're doing doing a carnivore challenge, right? Yes, I am. I saw that on Instagram. Day two. See, Instagram does something. It's day two of meat and water today. Okay. And how's that going so far? pretty great so I did if you guys want to know the whole download on that go on my Facebook page the Nourish Caveman I did a live video it was a long one this morning the big one um, and then I'm also on Instagram posting my food and my progress and there is a blog post about it so I'm out there talking about it and I have a patient that I'm working with that she's the one that literally kicked me into carnivore because she's decided that she was going to start carnivore and I was like I can't let you do stuff that I haven't tried on my own. Like, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm doing this with you. <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. Okay. So you guys can go check that out. I know I'd, I'd seen that cause I do follow you on Instagram. So I knew I had seen that and, um, that people might find that interesting. I know that's kind of, uh, been a topic of interest of interest lately. Yeah. So it's it's, an, I feel like it's as a lot of potential and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, go and look at my latest video and then tell me what you think. <laughs> okay. Out there with that one. <laughs> I will do that. Well, I'm I'm proud of you for doing the videos, girl. Like I, I'm gonna have to get on it. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of Ken Berry, we were talking about him earlier. He has been on me for I think six or eight months about starting a YouTube channel, which I did actually start a channel. There's just no videos on it. <laughs> so But you know why you have a podcast. I know, I, I know. I that's my sword throat my nose or whatever you call it but yeah. I, I can't I'm like I really would like to have my own podcast but it's just not gonna happen I know it's just so <laughs> there's just so much to get into so yeah so I've been kind of trying to focus on this and uh, now that I'm done with my schooling though I, I think I, I might try to venture into the videos but I'm proud of you even for doing like the Facebook lives and stuff I gotta figure that out <laughs> Well, you're doing the podcast, and that's, that's like one of the best things. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for thank being you. on here with us today, Vivica, and hopefully we'll have you back again soon. Yes, it's a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much. Yes. Okay. Have a great day. Bye. Bye, Jess. Wow. Okay, guys. I really hope you enjoyed that interview. I hope you get you enjoyed getting to know Vivica a little bit better, and I know we had so much to talk about and um, I hope you were able to um, just kind of get some some 
information out of our conversation that would inspire you to go and start doing maybe a little bit of your own research research or hook up with a coach or somebody that can kind of help you figure out maybe some of the things you have going on. Um, you know, Vivica would be a great resource for you. And uh, I do encourage you to check out her information. I really can't recommend her enough. She's just a, a really sweet uh, person and knows her stuff, guys. So, okay, that's it for episode number 50. And um, thanks for tuning in. You guys have a great week. And I will hopefully uh, be talking to you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode.